The Waddle and Sylvie podcast is brought to you by BlueChew.com. Get the chewables that give you the confidence you need and the performance you both want when it's time to have fun. BlueChew.com. Use code Vegas for $20 off your first order. Now, Waddle and Sylvie. Live from the Old National Bank State Street Studio, across from the historic Chicago Theater, you are listening to Waddle and Sylvie on the new home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. This is WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. Tomorrow, we uh, begin a new era for ESPN 1000, and uh, it's been leading to our first game action, and uh, the coverage tomorrow morning will begin at 8 a.m. with Black and Abdallah with their pregame show, and then the network pregame show with yours truly at 10, Dion Miller, and uh, really, everyone will contribute to that as well. We'll be live at Soldier Field, inside Soldier Field just inside gate O. If you're going to the game and you want to wave and uh, give us a holler, we'll be there, and that's where our stage is going to be set up for the season, even if you're not going tomorrow, but you do have tickets to a game uh, during the season. That's where you're going to be able to find us. And then, of course, your normal, great, awesome hometown call of Joniak and Thayer. And uh, you're going to love them and as you have for the last several years. And Tom Thayer is a Super Bowl champion bear. He is great at what he does, describing the action, breaking down what he sees on the field with Jeff Joniak. And he's going to give you a Charlie horse if you walk into his studio at halftime. I'm going to get the do's and don'ts in a minute. Yes, indeed. And uh, Thayer joins us right now on the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Tom, how are you this Friday? Oh, Sylvie, I'm doing good. That Charlie horse is always a great threat anyways. To watch you limp around for a couple weeks because you just made me do it. You know, I don't I don't want to do it, but Waddle's kind of making me think about doing yes. it. Yes, right. That is such a good move, isn't it, too? The Charlie horse? Oh, yeah. It's something that'll stick with him for quite some time. You know, that goes way. I remember a couple years ago I was in Hawaii, and the guy I was playing with, he bag-dropped me, and he it, it kind of ignited a reaction where I did give him a Charlie horse, and it ruined the rest of his golf game. So what do you mean? You're carrying your bag, and he knocked the bag off your shoulder? No, we are in a golf cart, and they have some steep hills in the golf courses over there. Undid the so strap. So he loosened up the belt oh. on my golf bag. And when I accelerated to drive away, my bag came out, my golf balls went down, rolling down the hill, and um, he only did it once, and he never did it again. (laughs) Have you ever hit anybody inside the Bears' radio booth? Does Joniak count? Yes. Well, actually, it was back at the team hotel because Jeff kind of fibbed to me about how far it was that we were going to dinner. We might have talked about this. Yes, <clears throat> and um, the one thing I don't, you know, you know, T. Waddle, it's like being on a trip as a player. You don't really want to do any, any unnecessary traveling for anything. Yes. You just kind of want to get your game face on, get through the game healthy, 
you know, get back home and then, you know, go back to work. And, you know, uh, the last thing I want to do is travel a significant distance to eat dinner the night before a football game. I, I would rather sit in the hotel or just go somewhere close enough where it just, you know, it kind of made me angry because yeah. he told me it was only 10 minutes away. So yeah. you, you decided to strike him. And how much of, of an injury did you uh, put on him? I only did it. I've only had to do it once. And um, <laughs> it was kind of a unsuspecting kidney type, type tap Whoa, while, he was wait, while he was waiting for the elevator. And um, it took the breath out of him. But like I said, it was only once. And, you know, that was in much younger days. We have we have grown beyond that. And, uh, you know, he doesn't cut, he doesn't try to pull the wool over my eyes anymore. What, what about like a joyous punch? Because of excitement, like do you do you get that excited in the booth? Uh, I know you do vocally, but like, do you ever grab him because you're excited something's happening on the field? Um, you know what's kind of weird about that, Sylvie, is uh, there's a couple times. So the opening of the Super Bowl when Devin Hester returned the kick for the touchdown. I saw the opening. I've been on kickoff return, and Jeff went through his call. In my eyes, immediately gravitated towards Peyton Manning because I wanted to see what his response was. He going to watch in awe, or was he going to, you know, for it turned to his teammates, and he immediately turned to his teammates and started saying, "Okay, you guys, let's get this going now." You know, we, there's serious business going on, and then. A couple of years ago when Jakeem Grant returned that punt for a touchdown in Green Bay, I didn't feel that it was going to help the Bears win the game, so I was kind of expressionless. And we have it all on video because they had one of the GoPros in the booth, and we were in our booth, and then the the nation called Mike, Mike Golick, who I had gone to Notre Dame with he was doing the call the booth next to us and he was watching Joniak with more excitement than I was because I still felt I didn't know if this was going to be you know help the Bears win the game or it was just going to be part of a a lot an exciting play during a loss so I I will only do it after the scoreboard says Bears win okay and then or while we're on this topic then Give me the do's and don'ts because I don't know if Danny's giving you the lowdown. Like I'm, I'm working in a cut in or two during the game. Oh boy! And, and I don't want to shock you by this. And then you know I'm going to be in there for halftime, and right. I've sort of gotten some of these off the air. What, what, what are Tom Thayer's few do's and don'ts in your booth? Just don't. <laughs> Go ahead. Do I, I don't know. Don't. Don't talk into my ear during a play, and then don't tell me something you saw a play ago because then I it, it kind of di- distracts me from thinking about the next couple moments, you know. Um, so I got hey, listen, Sylvie. It's as much as my booth or anybody else's booth. It's just so you know, uh, just all the pent up energy in me of being a bear fan and a, a you know a. a you know, an ex-player and all that kind of stuff. It you kind of in that same frame of mind. But listen, man, I look forward to seeing you in there, and I love your intensity, and uh, that's what I want you to do. 
bring your, bring bring that with you. Yeah, and when you, it's not time for you to talk, keep your pie holes it's shut and go sit in the corner. <laughs> it's what I'm doing. I'm taking Waddle's advice. Like when Waddle was a player, I am going to be seen and not heard until it is my turn to talk on the mic, and then I'm going back to being seen and not heard. No way. You know what? One thing I loved about ESPN since the time I got to meet Keith and Danny for the first time is everything's always referred to as part of the team. And that's really I really like that because we all are a part of the team and we're, you know, and and I like it and that's the way that's the atmosphere I want. But I also want guys that are are uh you know, Bears fan or Bears centric or that's that's what their focus is and uh so I I'm Super looking forward to tomorrow and and the future, and I, I'm just glad we're all part of the same team now. I, I w- here's this. I'll just I'll sum it up this way. Don't be Stan Thomas, Sylvie. Okay. Don't oh, don't you dare. I'm just saying, teammates. That, that there are some teammates that are really good teammates, and some teammates that aren't the greatest That's like teammates. The worst you don't can be say. T- don't be Stan Thomas. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I won't. Simple piece of advice. You hey. know, T. Waddle. I started. I started next to him. His first opportunity to play. And he didn't know his assignments, and he didn't know the count, and he's trying to ask me questions as we break the huddle going to the line of scrimmage. And so defensive linemen, they may not be the brightest, but they're not the dumbest. So if they go to the line of scrimmage and they hear you saying, hey, Stan, block out, it's on one, you know, <laughs> we're fighting an uphill battle at that point. Well, Tom, was it because he didn't study? Was How does a, a guy who's starting a first game not know that stuff? Well, Keith Van Horn was holding out, who would have been the starting right tackle. So they had to insert Stan Thomas, and he's been there in the training camp, but that's what it was. It wasn't, you know, yeah, the the three-hour meetings at night in Platteville, they were exhausting. But if you didn't know your information perfectly, you better go back and take that hard copy of your 300-page playbook, open that thing, and study it until you know every play perfectly. And the two examples that I've had is when I transferred from the USFL to the NFL, I had to get in my playbook and I had to spend a lot of extra hours making sure that I knew my assignments. And then when I left the Bears and I went to the Miami Dolphins, I had four days to learn my assignments. And my roommate at that point was Steve DeBerg. And he was coming in at the same time and he was learning the quarterback responsibilities. So we were kind of quizzing each other and we were going through the memorization techniques that we had learned throughout our career. And, uh, you know, that's one of the, uh, you know, that's one of the obligations of being a professional athlete. And that Dick Stanfeld always used to say, you know, physical errors will get you coached, mental errors will get you cut. And uh, mm. you see what happened. Listen, this is no place for slap and tickle, Sylvia. Okay, no. this is business. <laughs> I know this is all business. Hey, Tom, can I can I uh, ask you a serious question right yes, now? Yes, sir. Uh, this is according to Big Z, and this is from nine minutes ago. He says the Bears have waived wide receiver Aaron Cruxshank to make room for guard Logan Stenberg, who was yes. claimed off of waivers from the Lions. Stenberg appeared. In 25 games with four starts, all of those were last season. He was a fourth-round pick for Kentucky back in 2020. The reason why I mention this is, do I connect any dots here with regard to Nate Davis not being available, or is this just adding depth and a guy that you know will make you better across the board on the offensive line? Well, you know what? I remember when Logan came out of college, 6'6", 313 pounds, got a long frame, he moves well. And I thought he really had an opportunity to be successful in the NFL. But everybody knows that Detroit has upgraded their offensive line talent. And maybe he was one of the guys that either asked for a release 
early in the process so he could hook on with another team. But I do think it's a part of trying to get the best. You know, Ryan Poles is always searching for the best available athlete. And I think if you can bring in a guy that adds depth to a football team that already has some experience, maybe he's a guy that can come in and help you down the line. It would really disappoint me if they were making this decision because there's something wrong with Nate Davis that he is maybe not going to be there week one of the regular season. I would be super disappointed if that was the case. But I think it's more of competitive depth depth on this football team, especially the offensive line, because the interior is a little unsettled. Um, you hope that Jatari Carter and, Le- and Alex Leatherwood can kind of reach uh, what it, it, reach in the hopes of what they, they can bring. Alex Leatherwood, he's, he's got the tools, but can he play the position? I like Jatari Carter from what I've seen uh, throughout last year and early in camp, and you know, he can really make an impression on the coaches if he goes out there tomorrow and with whatever reps he gets, he plays well. But when you bring in a guy from another divisional team, you kind of hope that he can make an impact, he can make an impression, and maybe he can impress uh, um, Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach, enough that he can get it, come in there and eventually get some competitive reps. I don't think it'll be tomorrow, but, you know, in the in the – couple games down the road or certainly in practice at one-on-ones in the individual period he can show that he has something to add it sounds like a pretty good sign yeah yeah former super bowl bear tom thayer joining us he's got the call of the game with jeff joniak tomorrow at noon our coverage begins at eight in the morning right here on espn 1000 okay let's say it's not serious with nate davis are you still concerned that Maybe he doesn't like to practice. Are you are you concerned either way about Nate Davis? I am. Only because we got no information about what's wrong. Why is he not put on a pad since he's been with the Bears? Um, to me, you know, Tom and I have been a part of the Mike Dickey era. Even if you have some type of injury that you can't practice, he would say, hey, just put your equipment on. Go out there and hold the bag for these guys. Be a part of the conversation. Stand next to the coach so you can hear everything that he's saying in case there's anything adjustments. To me, I hope that he has a quality understanding of what the assignments are from the guard position from all the time he spent in meetings. If I was fed a little bit of information and I knew exactly what was wrong and there was a reason to be concerned, I would have concern right now. It's kind of uh, like a lot of grades that you got in college, Sylvie, incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, you heard. Huh? All right, Tom, what do you expect? What, what, are, what do you want from this team? There's some, been some discussion uh, over the course of the, the, the day about whether or not people want to see Justin Fields and the ones play and how much they should play. What are your thoughts on preseason participation? Well, since there's only three preseason games and there's a two-week opening before the first regular season game, I would like to see these guys get some live reps, some, you know, um, where there's an official that actually stops the play and there's collisions that stop the play and there's a lot of uh, judgments that you can come per position when you have to be physical to the whistle. And I would like to see uh, Justin Fields in some um, some live plays i need to see if if he is is he filtering information at the line of scrimmage according to plan 
can Luke Getze take him back into the meetings after the game is over and say, okay, Justin, every single play, every single pass play we called for you, you made the exact right decision. Every single RPO that we called for you, you made the exact right read according to should you hand the ball off or should you keep it around the end. I don't want to see Justin out there holding the ball and then scrambling. I don't I don't need to see that. We all know that he can do that. I need to see how well acclimated he is into this passing system and where it's going to go from here. And you don't need to expose a bunch of plays that you're going to use in the first regular season game of the year. Give him a stack of 10 pass plays that he's 100% confident in and call five to eight of those and then use the running game to see how your offensive line is doing up front. Uh, Try to get the wide receivers, the tight ends involved a little bit. And I'm not talking about Cole Komet and Mercedes Lewis. I'm talking about Carlson, Pickney, and the other guys that have an opportunity to to get a a couple passes from Justin. So, yeah, I want to see guys play these days. And I'm not talking about the whole game. I'm talking about, uh, you know, that – I, I said 20 plays, and I still hold to that, and I, and I wish and I hope it is. And, you know, we'll see how things unfold. And um, and then where do this, the criticism and the compliments fall the day after on Sunday? Yeah. Tom, uh, speak to some of our listeners who called into our show who's worried that Justin could get hurt in those 20 plays. If you're worried about a player getting hurt, then you're focusing on the wrong thing anyways. And like I said, I don't want Justin running beyond the line of scrimmage. If they call a pass play and it's not there and the design of the play, your first, second, third read, throw it out of bounds. I don't, I don't care about that because we're not keeping regular season stats right now. It's more about where are you according to the development of your specific position. And that's for all the positions, but um, – you know, I never went into a game, and I never went into um, you know any type of practice being concerned about getting hurt. That's part of the game, but if that's what you're concerned about, then I, I, I think you're kind of thinking about the wrong aspects of the sport. Give us a couple of guys, a couple of names of people that you're really looking forward to seeing tomorrow, Tom. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing 44 Noel Sewell. Here's a linebacker that doesn't shy away from contact. I really like what he's done every single day at practice. Isaiah Ford, he's an interesting wide receiver, 6'2", 201 pounds. I want to see Roshan Johnson. He gives you a different element of running back because you see that innate vision within him, and he puts it on display when he gets a carry. He's a physical guy. He's a really good blocker in terms of blitz pickup of those small details that you need to uh, you, you need to show up. And then when I look at uh, Jalen Harris, Sean Harris's son who used to play for the Bears, he's given me some interesting rushes from the outside. Six four two fifty seven. Uh, Terrell Lewis. I don't know if he's going to be healthy. He hasn't been practicing the last couple days, but he's a long defensive lineman out of Alabama. Six five two sixty five. And he uses his length really well. Um, I think number thirty-eight uh, is a number thirty-eight. AJ Thomas, a defensive back, six-two-two-twenty. I've seen him come up and make some hits. He's out of Western Michigan, a second-year player. Um, you know, uh, those are a, a couple of the guys that I'm interested. In. I'm also interested T. Waddle and P.J. Walker. 
because here's a guy that has a similar template of uh, Justin Fields. I watched him through uh, the USFL in a couple of years, and he's got athleticism. He sees the offense in a real timely fashion. He understands the tempo and the rhythm. He throws really good outlet passes in a position where only the offensive player can touch him, and they can touch him on the move. So uh, if they're going to develop a quarterback within the system that has similar traits of Justin, I think P.J. Walker is a really solid candidate going forward. And then, you know, a guy like Valus Jones Jr., I would like to see him as a punt returner to see if he's improved at all because the best punt returner on this team is still Dante Pettis. He's the most comfortable catcher of the football out there. But if Valus is really going to make an impact on this team, it's going to be special teams and then a contributing wide receiver. I don't know if it's going to be a contributing wide receiver to special teams. So he has to show me that of the three to 500 balls that he caught during the offseason, that it's, it's had an influence and an impact on his ability. And because I think he's got the courage to do it, He's got to be able to make the catches under difficult circumstances. Really good stuff. So tomorrow, 6 a.m., you're inside that booth, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. He's there right now. <laughs> he's, yes. he's broadcasting from the booth right now? Yes. He's got a, a, he's, he's got a sleeping bag, a pillow, and some drinks, and some food, and he'll be there all night. That's great. Well, you know what it is? I, I do start with a, a cup of coffee early in the morning in the locker room before anybody gets there. Um, and then uh, you'll be happy to know, Sylvie, that we have a nice coffee maker up in the booth that's only for us. Yeah, that's you, supplied by the Zerang brothers, who love those guys as much as anybody in the broadcasting world. And so I'll meet you up there early. We'll have a cup of joe, and we'll, we'll talk about Waddle. That's How good. early are you going to get there, Sylvie? Tom just invited you 6 a.m. Well, I, I'm not going to be there at 6. Seven. Don't, no, don't get there yet because the parking lots aren't open. Yeah, I don't know, four Seven. hours we'll before the game. Yes. Seven. I was planning on 8. 8.30. Is that 830? too late? Yes. No, that's great. That's okay. great. Come okay. in and uh, get acclimated. Come on in and get your Charlie horse. <laughs> no, no Charlie horses, I promise. He's you will walk out of there without a limp. Okay, sounds good. All right. The, just the threat of that, I'm scared. I mean, I think that's enough, that it that it's just there. Like, I knew, like, when Dad was around, yeah. to mind my P's and Q's. So. Listen, it's go you know, time. You won't, see, you won't see the angry pre-broadcast me until the Green Bay game. Oh, yeah, that, and I know it will be on that game. Because that, yes. that, you, you got to get that win. I was telling yeah, you, but, but, but tomorrow is like, listen, this, this is still, this is serious time. Yeah. yeah, it's still serious. No, oh, no. heck yeah. Yeah. All right. Just yeah, take it short. Yeah. I, and, you know, you're going to have to get up close and personal and really get to know the game day Jeff Joniak because he wants to say that I'm the serious, oh, angry guy because I am. But Jeff is the stressed out angry guy game day you know uh, on steroids and that so you're gonna have to get to know the new jeff joniak it's the affable bears you're not gonna sleep a wink tonight (laughs) you're gonna be so nervous about walking into that booth tomorrow i cannot wait uh tom you're the best thank you we appreciate it all right, thanks, you guys. I there appreciate you, you having me. I love having him on the team. I, yeah, I, like he said. You're going to see a different side I, I of him know, tomorrow. No, I've seen that side. I've seen the side. Um, and I love that he's here and that Joniak's here and J-Max here. And uh, we've got a great team. And we cannot wait to bring it to you starting at 8 with uh, 
Black and Abdallah tomorrow, then 10 o'clock for the pregame show. Dion and me and then Lance Briggs will, will, will be with us during the regular season. And we can't wait to bring you Bears football. Joniak was getting a little serious uh, as the week was yes. was wearing on. It's a slow week. burn. Yeah. It was a slow, slow burn, burn is a good way to describe it. All right, coming up uh, next, uh, Liam Hendricks discusses, can he help the White Sox right now improve the culture? Um, and he talks about what's gone on here in the past. Liam Hendricks uh, spoke today on the South Side. We'll play you some of that next. Ah, commuting in Chicago. Ah, if you're stuck, stick with Waddle and Sylvie. Weekdays 2 to 6. Two three three two three seven seven six. What to watch for coming up uh, at four forty five? Bears football has been the centerpiece of today's show. Uh, also, um, at five we can reopen it. If you could have any athlete right now who's retired playing like a one game championship game, winner go home game, come out of retirement though, who would that be? In the wake of the forty nine er story, wanting. Philip Rivers to play in the Super Bowl if they had beaten the Eagles. I think that's a fun, fun take on that. Pete Rose. It would be fun to watch that. I bet he could get a hit. You think he could hit the ball? No. Not yet. He's 75 years old, isn't he? Is he 80? Maybe he's, I don't know how, let me see how old Pete is. Pete's, uh, yeah, the hand-eye coordination is probably not what it was. I think baseball, again, is the one that is the toughest. Pete Rose is 82 years old. That's the toughest one in general when you're away for a couple years. Though I am intrigued by the uh, old-timers home run derby. I think they have have flirted with that idea next year for the All-Star game. Did you see that? How old? I don't want anybody getting hurt. Griff. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, uh, Griffey Jr., Frank okay, Thomas, yeah. Yeah. David Ortiz. Okay. I would love to see I'm Sammy. just saying, I don't Bring want to see Brooks there. Robinson out there, okay? You know, I'm just saying. I would no, no, no. Not Brooks Robinson. Okay. Not a guy that's okay. that old. I'm just saying. I, I want didn't guys know. in like Jim Tomey. Give okay. Guys in their 40s. All right. Excellent. That I would like to see. Big Poppy? Yeah. yeah he said he would. he's down for it. I'd like to see that. Let's do it. I think that's more fun than... Maybe even today. Then you've got the stars, more star value. I would just hope that they would all, you know, before it would take place, get yourself Stretch. in the cage. Yeah, get yourself in the cage and get yourself prepared. Philip Rivers? Philip Rivers would be a good choice. They should Absolutely. cross sport. No. Guys who are recently retired from other sports who want to take their hacks. They, that's called the celebrity softball game. Eh, it's not the home run derby. <laughs> if, uh, if someone does get hurt, Waddle, what's the big deal? I, I just don't think you want to promote everybody getting hurt. A bunch yeah, of old no, guys getting hurt is not fun. I mean, okay, so if someone tweaks a back muscle or like... Easy for you to say it's not your back muscle that's being tweaked. I know, but... I don't... Personally, as a viewer, I don't want to see a bunch of older guys get hurt. You, now you're opening up new partnerships, though. You're like, that's where Ben Gay should be ready to go. As soon as, like, someone hurts their back, they're like... This injury is icy hot. Yeah, there you Life go. Life alert. Now, when did you? When, <laughs> when, did, when did Chris Berman walk into the studio? Yeah. Why? What are we talking about? Come on, we're not gonna. We're not looking to make money off of old guys getting hurt. 
No, I don't, I don't want guys getting hurt either, but it, I'm not really concerned It's inevitable, about though, so you might as well have a sponsor ready to go, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think you need to do the, the fast time thing. I think you're doing 10 outs. Okay. I think you're back well, to yes, 10 outs. We're definitely going to modify the rules. You're slow playing this thing. Yeah, because I don't think those guys have that many swings in them. We hitting from second base, too? Wow, that's, that's so cold. So cold. Here's Liam Hendricks. So he spoke today. Um... Listen, Liam is probably one of their best voices. Um, he is, and and he just some he he's symbolic of a guy who has just overcome so much too. Perseverance. He just won the award at the ESPYS, and that was before he's had to persevere over Tommy John surgery, and he's back again. He's got his arm right now in the big sling. Um, it's incredible. So he, he, he just got through cancer treatment, came back and he pitched, and then he had the arm injury. And, and while, while he was going through all this, the White Sox continued to underachieve, and we have found out just how dysfunctional their clubhouse is. And he has pointed out that they needed to maybe be a little more, um, I think, what's the term that he used? Have a little more urgency in the past, but he did defend the clubhouse. Like when Dallas Keuchel brought it up with, uh, a couple of years ago, he joined us and he defended the clubhouse. He spoke today. Here's a chunk of what he had to say about the recent story that Jesse broke and where the White Sox are these days. Let's be honest. Athletes tend to have some egos on them. Um, so you got 26 guys with somewhat inflated egos, myself included, and it, it, you're always going to butt heads. I mean, I have um, I have different philosophical views on the way to a clubhouse should be than other guys. I like to maintain positivity and, and harping on the, the good things rather than the negative things and some people the other way. But either way, no, no way is wrong, no way is right. It just matters that you mesh together. And we had uh, we had some butting of heads that no one was willing to back down, no one was willing to concede, no one was willing to do that. So I think it, that, that there it really causes a rift. But now, hopefully, we can take the egos aside. We can get to get to a point where we're now we're pushing for next year, and we can get the right frame of mind, the right kind of views on the way everything should be run. And everybody's going to concede at some point. Everybody's going to make a compromise. But at the end of the day, I think we've got the right people in this clubhouse. This is a position player group specifically that is extremely talented on paper, and they can and will live up to their, their standards that they should be able to until we get back to a playoff playoff team. What were your last couple of bullpens like, and when did you realize that this was a step that you had to Yeah, I've been pitching with pain for, like, trying to get through it, and it was, look, if I can throw 92 to 94 with no pain, I can do it. If I can throw 96 to 98 with pain, I'll be able to bear it. But unfortunately, my last live BP was 92 with pain, and that's just uh, not quite not quite the recipe we needed. So actually... Um, well, I was studying a live BP in Minnesota, and I mean, I was I was well aware of what the uh, the alternatives was at that point. Um, it was pretty likely that that's where we're headed, but I wanted to give it every single chance I had to get back on the field and push it to make sure that I could. Uh, so I got uh, I got Ethan Cass to record the last pitch I threw, just in case it was the last pitch I threw on a White Sox uniform. <laughs> and I made I did I also punched out TA with it. So there's that. Too, so that was very nice. But. Um, Look, I gave it everything I had. Like, I pushed it. I knew I could have very easily shut it down once I got the PRP injection and started throwing again. I realized that, look, it 
it could be this. It most likely is this, but there is a slight chance that it is a little scar tissue that needs to break off. There's a little chance that there's just something that needs to move around. There's a little chance there's some inflammation that if I, the more I throw, the more I push, the more I try and get through this, I can get through this. And that was that little, little sliver of hope that I had the entire time. But when I went from uh, two to five in New York to maxing at 92, uh, in Minnesota, I realized that the velocity was trending in the wrong direction, and at that point, it's like there was nothing I could do to prevent what was going on. And I mean, even Dr. Meister said that, like he uh, he looked at my elbow and goes, "Yeah, it's uh, because this is I'm amazed you were able to throw last year coming back from what I did because it was the same injury." Um, and that was another thing that I held out hope for because of the way I came back last year. Yeah, well, it didn't feel great, but I was able to compete and I was able to get it done. And this year just was, uh, I think, just a little bit too much damage in there. A little bit, probably a little bit more of the uh, surrounding muscles that weren't quite as developed this year just due to being broken down through treatments and stuff like that. But there was no way I wasn't going to come back at some point this year after everything I went through at the start of the year. You're in a unique situation because you are somebody who just came back from cancer. Did an oncologist have to be consulted during this process with the time of John? Uh, yeah, I keep I keep up with my uh, my oncologist at all times. Whether it would just be through her checking in on how I'm doing, whether it's me checking in on how she's doing. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a thing like, hey, can I go under? Can I be have surgery? Can I, will I heal from the wounds and all this sort of stuff? There was there's been a number of times where I've reached out just on little things like, oh, I, even when I got the PRP injection, the cortisone injection, is this okay with my current treatment plans? And yeah, everything everything always came back with yes, so you're fine. You're you're far enough removed from this that you don't have to worry about it. I mean, she even said that theoretically you could have gone through this while going through treatments. It wouldn't have been ideal, but you could have. This group had three managers in four years. Is that a messaging problem for both players and managers? Uh, to be able to kind of mesh together and really understand each other, you know, to get the job done? I mean, I don't know what... Um, I wasn't here with Rick, and obviously Tony was more of, uh, I think, health reasons more than anything, so I don't think classifying it as three different managers in four years is uh, necessarily the right way to say it. But, yeah, we're, we're on our third manager. Pedro's come in. He's his first-year manager, and, yeah, I think he, he spent some time trying to get the lay of the land and, and trying to figure out what goes on in this clubhouse, but I mean, I was with him in Kansas City. Enough guys have been around, and he's been in enough clubhouses with some, one of probably the better leaders that I've ever been around, Salvador Perez. And, um, yeah, I think this is a this is a learning experience, and, and I think that there's going to be a lot that can be learned from not only him, but the way he interacts with players, the way we interact with him, and the way we can move forward as an organization. I think it's... Um, Every year, this, you got to take those. You got to take the hard years like this year as a uh, as a learning experience and way to move forward and way to not repeat things. And I think he's done a fantastic job in the communication, at least with me. Like my own personal experiences with him have been fantastic. Like we've we've spoken about things, anything that needs to be brought up. It's been a civil conversation. hasn't uh, hasn't progressed to anything, any sorts of levels of uh, antagonistic or anything like that. So we uh, we have that mutual respect for each other, I think, and that's uh, that's one of the big things that going around. You need to give each other respect. And at the end of the day, he's the manager. He's going to make the decisions. Whether I agree with him or not, he's going to make the decisions. When, when you talk about you know, some butting of the heads that happens on every team, is the ultimate goal, whatever happens in the club, is take it out on the other team, you know, so to speak, in a, in a baseball sense? Like, take that energy, that anger, whatever it is, and, and put it to competitive use uh yes and no because at some point there's certain players you need to judge who what their personalities are some people play very well in rage like myself some people play very well in being very stoic and kind of relaxing the man more like dylan um it's yeah everyone has their own ways of dealing with things whether it be 
the energy levels, whether it be taking it out on frustrations off the field or at home or anything like that. Everybody has their own kind of devices and ways to do it. But, um, yeah, and look, butting of the heads is great. I love, like, I think arguments are fantastic for any sort of improvement in anything. If everybody agrees with the thing, nobody's going to go anywhere. Uh, yeah, as was it, the, uh, the quote was, uh, no one's ever changed the world by going along with what everyone else is doing. And, yeah, you've got to butt heads. You've got to change programs. If something doesn't work or something, you just feel like you're going around in circles, something has to change. But, look, um, it, it is what it is. It's, uh, it is clubhouses. Um, we've had some great times this year. We've had some not-so-great times this year, and that's how every single clubhouse goes. It's unfortunate that it got out. Uh, that I mean, I guarantee you could talk to almost every clubhouse, and there's, there's times where people go through it and they just dislike other people on the team or there's certain things going on. It's, uh, it's part and parcel of the game. When we were with each other for 100 and, 180 games during the 180 days during the season, and uh, that doesn't even take spring training into account. So, when you get enough guys here with enough large egos and enough guys that uh, are tired and over it and travel and all this sort of stuff, it, it wears on the it wears on you a little bit. So this is why baseball is a marathon. It's not a uh, it's not a sprint. And when you look at it now, the teams that uh, started off out of the gates really really well, they're starting to starting to hit some roadblocks now. There's Liam Hendricks. I like again, like it, it's true, and you probably do um, go through a lot of ups and downs. But again, those teams aren't 22 under 500 or 21 under 500 either. No, I and you've heard. Look, I respect the hell out of Liam for a number of reasons, and I think you know, I think he's doing a little bit of uh, what would you call it? Um, damage control. Damage control. Yeah. I think. Um, you just hear too many things about there's too many different fractures inside that clubhouse to think that this, well, this happens in every clubhouse and some teams just deal with it better than others. I don't know. You know, it just feels like, and it's felt like that for a while, that that, that clubhouse just, guys were pulling in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. So, And there's still moves to be made. Yeah, and and look, I I think that he is, and and, you know, he's even said it to us in the past. It's kind of hard for him to be one of the the more important leaders inside that clubhouse because he's not only just a pitcher, but he's a he's a closer. And now he's not playing. And now he's not playing. But like, if I was a young player and I was looking for leadership inside that clubhouse, he's the guy I'd turn to. Yep. All right, uh, coming up next, what to watch for this weekend. Obviously, we've got the Bears on the brain. Uh, we'll get to that. The number one greatest moment. We are finally made it to number one. We'll get to that at 530 if you want to react. 312-332-3776. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Waddle and Sylvie. Listen now in HD on our app and on ESPN 1000. Waddle and Sylvie get you set for your weekend viewing with What to Watch For. That's right, What to Watch For, brought to you by Connie's Frozen Pizza. Uh, It's Friday. You don't want to cook tonight. Pick up a Connie's Frozen Pizza right now at your local Meyer, Joel Osco, Mariano's. And Car 10 right now will win free pizza from Connie's 312-332-3776. 312-332-3776. Caller 10 will win some free pizza from Connie's Frozen Pizza. What are you watching for, Waddle? Did I give you... I gave you Hijack off the air. I don't think I mentioned it on the air. 
Did I? It wasn't your show last week. I may have been, but I listen with this uh, SAG after strike. Like I'm recycling stuff. Uh, I did finish Hijack. It was very good. I do recommend that you watch it. I think I also mentioned Billions last week. Well, Billions didn't start last week. It starts on Sunday. Okay. So I could have given you the uh, the Bears and Titans, but I won't. There are two series that one I'm finished. Oh, you know what? I don't know if you did give us Hijack. I'm trying to think because you gave us soccer last week. You were watching the for women's soccer, yeah. women's World Cup. That's true. So Hijack uh, is a series that I just finished watching. It's on Apple TV. It's good. And, and it, you, I think you may have brought it up not during What to Watch For, right. but it got better as it went on, it too. It did, yes. Uh, I enjoyed the series. I did. Okay, I got to start that. Uh, we finished last night the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix. Um, it's, it's good. Like... I don't know if it's anything groundbreaking. Is there anything new that you learned yeah, from watching there, it? There, there are a couple of things. I don't want to spoil it. And I think some of it's going around on Twitter. Um, but I don't want to spoil it for you. Um, but it, it, it consistently it, wins who's the douche contest, right? My, I, I will tell you this, that my wife watched it too. She was interested in this. And she turned to me right before... As we started watching it two nights ago, and she looked at me and she goes, oh, he's still a douchebag. And he is. He is still very cocky. He is still very full of himself. What's he doing He's still very proud of himself and everything that he did. Very proud of everything. He doesn't, like, you would think that There's no remorse. There's no no remorse, no humility, no humble... A pie being eaten. Or do you think that that's just the veneer that he is displaying? He is living, and I read, like, uh, he's living in Scottsdale in a beautiful home. Like, I don't know if this is still autograph money or, or, or still NFL money. Where the money, or, you know, because he did talk about trying to end his life. But it's, it's good. Like, I remember, because I don't know if you remember this. When Johnny Football, because I remember I called, I loved Josh McCown, then I called him Joshy Football. When Johnny Manziel was a freshman, that was as much college football as I ever watched. I was, Johnny Football was must-watch football for me. I, I, I watched that whole season, every Texas A&M game. And uh, it, was, it was really, really good. He now plays for the Zappers? The Zappers. Where are the Zappers? It's a professional indoor football team, it says here. Hmm. So it's it's a, it's a Netflix documentary. I thought it was entertaining. Uh, again, check it out. Meller, what are you watching for? What's going on here? Sometimes you boys just got to take the layups. How long have we been waiting? It's finally here tomorrow. The first Premier League Saturday of the year. Uh, right? Ah, come right. on. It all kicks there. off tomorrow. And oh, by the way, football as well. The Bears preseason game against the Titans. In We're case listening you're not to aware. Exactly. While you're watching your Premier League Saturday, you can be listening to the Bears on ESPN 1000. And Sunday, you can listen to Jeff Meller host a two-hour version of White Sox Weekly. You can do well, that while you watch Sunday. Liverpool and Chelsea like I'll be doing. Sylvia, I will co-sign you on the uh, Johnny Manziel doc. I actually, I really liked it. I thought Did it you? was, yeah, I was really, really into that one. But the other thing I'll give out is it's on Netflix. It's called The Deepest Breath. 
I don't know if you've seen this. It's about these guys who they perform this sport where they literally just dive as deep into the water as they can. Oh boy. And it's a sport. And then you see them like come up and just gasping for air and it's oh just boy. it's it's a crazy it's very intense. I'm I'm anxious just hearing yeah. that. It's it's a crazy documentary that I watched like a week and a half so ago. So they're not wearing anything. They've got to hold their breath, go down as far as they can. Uh, they, no, they have like gear, like scuba gear on and stuff like that. But they are going down, and it is well. Scuba means that they have air. Or, or, I guess it's not scuba. It I don't know like, exactly what the. I can't remember exactly what it, the the gear is, but it is intense. Oof, that's scary. So yeah, don't forget the Bears uh, broadcast begins at uh, eight in the morning with Black and Abdallah's pregame show, and then the network pregame show with us at ten in the morning, and then the uh, the game itself at noon. We are your home for the Bears, and we cannot wait. And it all gets started tomorrow at Soldier Field. Come on by; we'll be inside Gate O. Just inside Gato at Soldier Field. What kind of conditions are we expecting tomorrow? Really good? Good good weather conditions? Sunny, 80 degrees? I, I do believe it is supposed to be a nice uh, conditions. Yes. Let me look here. 85. Yes. Let me see at noon what it is. Tracy's going to be on. High of 87 degrees tomorrow. 84 at kickoff. There you go. That's perfect. And kind sunshine. Wind. Any wind? We got any wind going? About 11 mile an hour right now. So. All right. Should be a great day for football. Can't wait. You want to talk some football with us? Uh, What do you want to see? How much do you want to see it tomorrow? That's the question. Like there were weird calls of people who didn't want Justin to play. You heard Tom Thayer not too long ago. If you missed it, you can get it on the ESPN Chicago app. Tom Thayer says these guys must play. And they must play 20 snaps. If you're focusing on injury, you're focusing on the wrong thing, I think. is what That's what he said. He, he wants the first teamers to play 20 snaps. What about you? 312-332-3776. Plus the number one greatest moment in Chicago sports in the last 25 years. I'll tell you what that is at 530.